Good morning to each one of you and greetings in Jesus' name. Greetings from Virginia. As we were traveling this direction, typically we uh, anticipate cold weather and um, we, we weren't shocked when we got here. But uh, what we did discover once we got here is that it has been colder in Virginia on some of these mornings than it has been out here. Because, uh, you know, some of those mornings were um, like five degrees. What was it this morning? I think it was like uh, at home, it was, it was like two degrees at home. So that's just a little unusual for our winter weather there. But anyway, we are, we are enjoying being here to fellowship again with uh, folks at Maranatha and with you all. We're glad that we can uh, worship with you this morning. Um, Renee, she's always just a little, our daughter Renee is with us. She's always a little anxious when we go to a different church. <clears throat> Gets a little scary to go into a Sunday school room with people that she doesn't really know. And well, let me tell you something. I feel her pain. I told her, I said, well, at least you don't have to preach. <laughs> oh my. Well, as I look out across the crowd this morning, I see, um, I see people that looked in the mirror. You, your hair looks nice. Didn't you look in the mirror this morning? How many of y'all looked in the mirror this morning? Yeah, I don't think probably very, very few, maybe some of the little ones, maybe didn't look in the mirror this morning. But, you know, when we look in the mirror, <clears throat> we often have need light. To give a good reflection. So when you looked in the mirror, did you leave all the lights off in the bathroom? No. Or did you turn on one of the brighter lights? How many of you all turned on a brighter light? Well, sure. You do that. And sometimes you get up close to the mirror and you look and you part your hair. Or you do something else. Something. We see a reflection. And typically when we look in the mirror, we see a reflection of ourselves. But as people look at us, what are we reflecting? What do people see in us? If that mirror were able to talk, what would that mirror say back? Oh, your part's not quite right. You've got a pimple under your nose. But if we're looking in the mirror of God, He's not going to be looking at whether our hair is right. He's not going to be looking to see if we got some cover girl on that pimple. He's not going to be looking at some of those things. He's going to be looking deeper. He's going to be looking deeper into our heart and into our mind. The sermon this morning is entitled, The Light. <clears throat> we all know that God is light. It says in 1 John, This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. None. No darkness at all. In 2 Corinthians, it says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of 
of Jesus Christ. God commanded the light to shine out of darkness into our hearts. And as I look out across this congregation this morning, I see people that seem to maybe have made a commitment to Christ. And so probably somewhere along the way, God, through His Spirit, through His Word, through other people, shined in your heart. The knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Acts 26 says, To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Sanctified by faith. Light shining in your heart. Bringing us out of darkness into His marvelous light. God is light. Let's remember that. But Jesus also said something. Jesus said in John 8, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. God is light, but Jesus says also, I am the light of the world. And he also says in John 9, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Does that mean that since Jesus died and rose again and has gone back to the Father in heaven, does that mean that the light has gone out? I want you to think about that just a bit. In John 12, Jesus said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth in me, on me, should not not abide in darkness. So has the light of this world gone out? God is light. Jesus declared that He is light. But Jesus also said to each one of us, those that believe, you or ye, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Ephesians says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. First Thessalonians, Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of that, of the night nor of darkness. <clears throat> and then first Peter says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want you to think with me just a little bit and I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Excuse me. We see these oh so familiar verses in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning. In the beginning. It says in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And God said, verse 3, let's look at that together. God said, 
Let there be light. And there was light. Boom. We talk about this in our science class sometimes. You know, we talk about evolution, the Big Bang Theory, and all that kind of stuff. You know, I actually believe in the Big Bang Theory. Do you? God said it. Bang! It happened. I believe that. Do you believe that? God said it and it happened. Let there be light and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness He called night. And every and the evening and the morning were the first. Sorry, the first day. You and I are created beings. This world that we live in is a world created by a holy, almighty, sovereign, incredibly powerful God. And we often think something of ourselves. Sometimes we think well of ourselves. Sometimes we think, oh man, you could have done better. Sometimes we have different mixed emotions or feelings about ourselves. But a lot of times, we feel fairly good about who we are, what we think. But as we look at these verses here, it says, In the beginning this earth was without form, it was void, it was dark. And this word without, these words without form means to lie waste. It means desolation. It means a desert, a worthless thing. It means confusion and an empty place. We were privileged this uh, past fall. One of the things that's been on our bucket list is to go to um, see the leaves in the New England states. I've heard that they, we, we have heard often that they are just brilliant in color. And I'm not sure what causes that so much more than maybe in the valley. But uh, we were privileged to be able to go on a trip there. And one of the things that I've always wanted to do after I've read of the fastest wind speed in the East Coast. Do you all know what that is, by the way? The fastest recorded wind speed ever? Come on, science people. It's on Mount Washington. Do you know what? We, remember what it is? Anybody want to guess? It's approximately, if I recall correct, about 231 miles per hour. Fastest wind speed. You can check it out. <clears throat> but there's... Only a couple of ways to get to the top of Mount Washington. One is you can drive the road up, and it takes a little while, and there are no guardrails. And so if you are uh, any afraid of heights, you may uh, <clears throat> want to sit over close to the driver. Or on the other side of the car in the back, because it's a fairly steep drop-off. Or you can take the cog train. The cog train is was on my list. It is steep. And I think at the one spot, it's like a 37 degree angle at, at one of the spots on that cog train. That was an incredible ride. And you know, as we started off, we were in the forested area and the cog train went up through there and the trees got a little bit smaller and a little more scraggly. 
There were more rocks as we got closer to the top. And then we got to the point of no tree line or the tree line where there were no longer trees growing. It was rocks. There were rocks everywhere. Rocks and maybe a little bit of moss and some, I don't know what you call it. Um, yeah, some lichen and stuff growing up there. I don't, I don't know what all it was. But then once you got on up to the very top, desolation. It was, yeah, it was nothing up there but rocks. And you know, as we went up there on that cog train and we got up above the forest and the lichen and all that kind of stuff, it was like, wow, this, there's nothing growing here. And I think about the earth, desolation, an empty place. Void means a vacuum, something completely empty. It means an undistinguishable ruin. And dark literally means darkness. But figuratively, it means misery. It means destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, wickedness, obscurity. And if we look at those verses, we see a picture in our mind of nothingness. I don't know what you see. But in our minds, we can sometimes picture that desolation. When we were up on Mount Washington, I didn't have to picture it. We could vividly see it. But I want us to think about this. Our lives apart from Jesus Christ are very similar to that void, that darkness, that without form. We are an empty place. We are a desert. We are in the dark spiritually. Just a little testimony about myself. And by the way, we are from the Bethany congregation in Virginia. We live up against the mountains. Sorry about that. Missed that one. Um, as we came out here, we were coming down from Minneapolis and we saw the ski slope coming down What was that, 35 out through there? There was a little ski slope down through there. A little ski slope. We didn't see any mountains. We lived near the mountains. But back to the darkness. When I was a young person, early teens, I didn't grow up in the Mennonite church, by the way. When I was a young person, 13, 14 years old, I sat down to read Scripture. I wanted to know what it meant. And so I started in the beginning at Genesis and I started reading through Genesis and Exodus. And by the way, we grew up going to church, just not quite like what we have here. So I knew the stories of in the beginning. I knew the stories of Moses and Abraham and the ark and all of that kind of stuff. I knew about Jesus and the disciples, and the apostles, and you know, all that kind of stuff. I knew that kind of stuff. But as I sat down to read Scripture, it just didn't make sense to me. 
I looked at that and I could read the words. And then we got into Leviticus and I was like, oh, oh boy. And then I read the stories in the New Testament. But you know what? It just didn't have life. It didn't impress upon my mind and my heart. And so I was just like, huh, this is futile. And so I just closed my Bible and put it back. But when I became a Christian when I was 17, I opened this book and it was like, bang. God turned the light on. Through His Spirit, through that new regeneration, through that new mind in Christ, God turned the light on. And when I looked at Scripture, it was like, hey, I understand what this is saying now. In the dark is where all of us are until we come to know Christ personally. We are that void, that vacuum, that complete spiritual darkness. And we look at that, that those verses in the beginning. God remedied that darkness with light. He spoke it into being. The light that we have today is Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. And we read in the New Testament, I want you to turn there with me in John chapter 1. And we read of that light coming into the world. Not the physical light of illuminating like the sun and the stars, like this light that God spoke into being. But it says in John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. I discovered that light, Jesus Christ. And it illuminated my my mind and my heart so that I could understand the things that God has revealed to us in His Word. But why do we find light so hard to understand? Why is it so easy just to meddle around on the fringes of darkness? Or even just stay in the dark. Now there are some critters, animals, that naturally love darkness. They're called nocturnal. And so I enjoy hunting and, and sometimes big bucks in that rut, they go nocturnal. That means they go at night. But there are other critters that Basically live their whole life in darkness. Some in the light just a little bit. But most bats fly in the dark of night. How do they do that? Well, I don't know. Have you ever heard a bat at night? Have you ever, what do they make? A little squeaking noise, yes. And that squeaking noise that they emit goes out and bounces off of what they're flying around. Comes back to them. And they're quick at processing. And so they know with this echolocation that there is something out there. And with that constant squeaking and listening, they can fly their way around obstacles after insects and doing, doing many, many different things. It's a unique ability that God has given them. 
and they can zone in. Perfectly designed of God for His glory. And we need to remember that. These things are designed to give glory to God. A a unique ability. Have you ever gone into a dark room, ladies, but guys as well, have you ever gone into a dark room and turned on the light and something went scurrying away? Anybody? That ever happened to you? Yeek! And the alpha you go. That wasn't the mouse. It's probably one of the ladies. Our dog was sitting on the front porch one, one night. And he was barking at something. And so I went to the door and flipped on the light. That had zero effect on that dog. When that light came on, he didn't go, Hey, somebody turn on the light. No, he just kept looking intently at what he was barking at. And so that light basically made no difference to him because he was intent with his ears, his eyes, and probably his nose more than anything. I've been out in the dark before. And you see an animal in the dark and you flip on a light and usually that light has zero effect on that animal. But sometimes a presence does. And so when you go into that room and flip on that light, it's probably not the light that is disturbing the animal and causing it to scurry away. But it's probably the presence of a being. Darkness covers things. It, darkness can create a, an environment of elusiveness. In darkness you can hide. And in darkness, as we see in scripture, it is most often characterized as evil or anti-God. A place for wrongdoing. And as we look back to that creation experience when God created Adam and Eve, and we look at when they partook of that fruit, there was still light. There was still darkness. But when the sun came up after they partook of that fruit, Adam and Eve didn't go hide because of the light. But why did they go hide? They went and hid because they knew of the presence of God in the garden. And we need to think about that because God is ever present with us. There is no hiding from God. And whether it's dark or whether it's light, there is no hiding from God because God is light. And He sees our every thought, our every intent. He sees Everything. And so we can assume or suppose that we can hide, that we can elude, that we can get away. But God is light. Jesus is light. And we are the light of the world. And if we are filled with this light of Jesus Christ... The dark things will scurry away. 
And we need to think about that. All of us are in this body of flesh. And let me tell you something. I am not a super saint. I am not anyone that that is head and shoulders above anyone else spiritually. Not a chance. We all live in this body of clay. We all have struggles. We all have temptations. We all have failures. But that doesn't mean we wallow there, that we continue to stay on the fringes of darkness. But that means that we, as children of God, seek that light in Jesus Christ. In 1 John 1, verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard from Him and declare unto you. Listen. God is light. And in Him is no darkness. This message of light is referring to His Son, Jesus Christ. These men, these disciples, were were present with Him physically. They could reach out and touch Him. John lay on His breast. There were many other times where they they could eat with Him. He washed their feet. They physically were present with Him. We don't have that physical presence here today. But we have that spiritual presence of the light of Jesus Christ. No darkness. How can you see Jesus with no light? How can we illuminate Jesus if that light is not within our hearts and our minds? The illumination of the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to the glorious gospel. The only begotten Son of Jesus Christ. In John 3.16, ever so very familiar verses, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent His Son. It would be hard for me to part with one of my sons. You know, our children are growing up. Renee's 13. She's our youngest. The rest of our children up until, well, we were without teenagers for a period of time from about June until or July until January when Renee turned 13. Because our youngest son is 20. But you know, it is amazing. I see your all's children here and it just brings back such precious memories of when our children were just bump, 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 bump. They were at our table. And you know, even though we are glad that they are moving forward with life, it still leaves a void at our table. And what was once a noisy 
table when mealtime came? Well, we just have a couple around the table anymore. Benjamin Marcus and why, I'm sorry, Hannah, (laughs) Renee, sorry, are still at home with us. But when Paula and Renee and I are here, Marcus is all by himself in that great big farmhouse at home. I would hate to part with any of our sons, any of our children. But God sent His only begotten Son. Verse 17 says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And he that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. Listen. This is the condemnation that the light is come into the world and the men and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. It scurries away. And I want you to think about that. When you... And I'm, I'm not pointing at anyone in particular because I have been there myself. But when you fail, when you sin as a Christian... What often happens to your being? Well, when I have sinned, I have felt a prick in my heart. David, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't have done that. It's that Holy Spirit speaking to our heart. It's that light illuminating the fact that we shouldn't be doing that. It's Jesus Christ living in us. It says, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Scurries away. You open the door and you're in the presence. But guess what? It's not just opening the door and being in the presence. God is ever present. It's not just the light. But it is the presence of Jesus Christ who is the light of the world. And if we feel uneasy... In some of the decisions we make, it's probably because that light is shining in our hearts and our minds. It's probably the light of Jesus Christ, that Holy Spirit, the three in one, God the Father, working to perfect us, to get rid of the darkness, to drive it completely away. The last couple of years, I teach science, I teach our eighth grade class, but the last couple of years... Um, we have taken our students to the Round Hill Cave. That's where I grew up, right near Round Hill. It's a big hill, about 300 acres. And in the side of this hill, there's a cave that goes in. In the main entrance, it's just a large room. Excuse me. <clears throat> but as you go further back in, We have what you call, we call it the upstairs. <clears throat> you go back in and you wiggle up the shelf and up into this upper room. We call it the upper room, the upstairs. And up in this upper room, no light can penetrate. Up in this upper room, there's a pool of water. And often I tell my students, once we get up into that point, 
Okay. Now, when we get up here, I want everyone to just extinguish your light. Turn it off. And we get up in there and call everybody to attention because everybody's pretty excited going up there. Excuse me. And everybody turns out their light. Now, in the absence of light is complete darkness. Excuse me. In complete darkness, you can hold your hand out here or you can hold it right up to it almost touches your nose and you can see absolutely nothing. You can see no shadow of anything because there is a complete absence of light. But you know, if you turn on just a teeny little pen light, if you would pull your cell phone out and that little blue charging light or white if it needs charge, if that light were to be on, everyone could see that teeny small light. In the absence of God, it's darkness. In the presence of Jesus Christ, it is light that is unbelievable. And this light illuminates our hearts. It illuminates our minds. It helps us to be able to see the heavenly things that we once could not see. And it doesn't matter how hard you look for it, without Jesus Christ, you will never be able to see that light of Jesus Christ until He permeates your being. Till He permeates your heart and your mind. And when I accepted Christ, the light came on. And I hope it did for you. But you know, as along the way, sometimes we get involved in some other things. And sometimes that light is diminished just a little bit. We need to remember the presence of God. God is light. We cannot have a reflection without light. If you were to walk into that bathroom this morning, into your bathroom this morning, and there would be complete darkness like it was in that cave. I could have held that mirror right up against my nose and put a grease spot on it. And I would not have been able to see any reflection at all. But just a little bit of light, we're going to see a reflection And a little bit more light, we're going to see more of a reflection. And we, when we think about the perfect light of Jesus Christ, the all illuminating light of Jesus Christ, we're going to be able to see very, very clearly what is dark and what is light. And His Word tells us so ever very clearly It's not any guesswork in the Bible that says, oh yeah, you can do this and you can do this. No, He says that we are to be holy as He is holy. What are you reflecting? And I say that to myself as well. Matthew 5 again says, 
Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill. On a hill cannot be hid. As a Christian, not what you see that you're reflecting, but what do others see you reflecting? As Christians, we are the light of the world. And people can clearly see what we are reflecting. Are we truly, truly reflecting Jesus Christ in our life? Or maybe even another question. Do you want to reflect Christ? Or do you want to reflect you? Or something else that your heart so lustfully desires? Proverbs 4.18 says, But the path... Of the just is as a shining light. The path of the just is as a shining light. That shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Jesus is coming again. We are 2,000 and some odd years closer. To when Jesus will come again. When he declared when he was living here on this earth. To his disciples. I'm coming again. And when I come, I will go and receive you unto me. Are we shining our light in reflecting Jesus Christ? May we shine forth for the glory of God. Not for our own self-worth, but for the glory of God, for our Lord and Savior, who has enlightened us to eternal life, eternal light the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ.